0: Welcome to Alimentary, the podcast series where you will not only learn about your amazing body, how it works, and of course, why food is so important, but also pick up some simple recipes and lifestyle tips and tweaks, which will help you to influence your health in a positive way. It isn't news that we don't get too much sunshine in Ireland, particularly through the winter. And by the way, I'm not complaining because the rain, of course, makes the country so beautiful and green. However, it does mean that it's harder for us to get vitamin D from the sun. In addition to this, according to the Irish Osteoporosis Society, in Ireland, 74% of adults and 88% of primary school children consume less than half the recommended daily amount of vitamin D. So this means that we don't get enough food sources of vitamin D either. It's, I suppose everybody's fairly aware that we need to consider supplementing through the winter, and um, certainly from maybe September, October through to March um, in our northern climate. But what are the safe doses, And um, considering that it's a fat-soluble vitamin and so it is possible to overdose on vitamin D? Um, in this episode, we're going to cover what it is, its benefits, sources, and the supplementation guidelines. And of course, we'll have our store cupboard staple at the end. Vitamin D is actually both a nutrient which we eat and a hormone that our bodies can make when our skin is exposed to UVB rays in sunlight. It's fat soluble, so it can be stored in the body in our liver. But bear in mind that being fat soluble, it is possible to overdose on vitamin D leading to toxicity when we supplement. But we will come back to the recommended levels later on. However, our bodies know how to regulate it when we get it from natural sources. So we're not going to overdose uh, from sunlight or from food sources. Now the liver stores it in the converted form, which is called calcidiol, and when it's released, it is then converted to the active form calcitriol by the liver and the kidneys, and then we can we can use it. So already we can see the first few things that we need for healthy vitamin D levels. So we want adequate sunlight, dietary uh, sources of vitamin D and also healthy fats, and then we want our liver and our kidneys to be functioning well too. So just in in regard to why vitamin D is important, you know, and what what it actually, how it can support our health, um, recent evidence indicates that healthy vitamin D levels can support a mild reduction in symptoms in people suffering from clinical depression. Now, obviously that's part of their overall treatment plan. Um, a recent study in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Journal has also shown that vitamin D supplementation can help prevent severe asthma attacks because it reduces inflammation and supports the immune system. Now, anything which reduces inflammation and supports the immune system is going to help you know, other conditions and other health issues as well. Vitamin D is also known to help the body absorb and retain calcium and phosphorus. And both of these minerals are essential for bone, muscle, and dental health. Low levels of vitamin D are indicated in conditions such as rickets, which is a softening and weakening of bones in children, Um, children obviously who uh, experience prolonged vitamin D deficiency. Um, It's also indicated in osteoporosis, which is brittle bone disease, and osteomalacia, which is uh, when you have pains in your bones. So vitamin D can increase physical strength and may prevent muscle loss in older adults. In addition, there are studies which show that vitamin D can reduce cancer cell growth and help control infections and other studies which support the reduction of inflammation as well. So we'll just go back to the sunshine and, and how all that works. Um, vitamin D3, which is the active form, is formed when a chemical reaction happens in our skin. So a steroid called 7-dehydrocholesterol is broken down by the sun's UVB light. Now, those of us who live in more northern latitudes, we're unable to synthesize vitamin D in the skin during the winter period because the sun sits too low in the sky. However, during the summer months in Ireland, for example, spending a few minutes in the sun is the best way for our body to produce vitamin D. Um, We can actually store enough to last between 30 and 60 days as well. Now, as scientists from Letterkenny University Laboratory report that people living in Donegal County have alarmingly low blood levels of the nutrient After examining 10,000 vitamin D test results, an osteoporosis specialist, Dr. Coyne, found that 75% of the samples tested had insufficient vitamin D levels and 12% were extremely low. There's also another study. Again, I'll put links to these in the show notes. Um, The other study was uh, in relation to the high prevalence of vitamin D insufficiency in healthy Irish adults. And the conclusion of that study stated that vitamin D insufficiency is not confined to at-risk groups. I'll mention some of those in a little while. And that it's likely to be prevalent in the general public in Ireland, especially in winter time. So we need to make sure that we do get some adequate sunshine during the summertime, Um, but we do obviously need to consider supplementing during winter. Now, going back to Adequate sun exposure and obviously this UV exposure is also linked to skin cancer. So getting a balance between safe sun exposure and vitamin D production is important. Now, The World Health Organization uh, guidelines and advice is to get between five and 15 minutes of casual sun exposure to our hands, face and arms two to three times a week during the summer months. So in this way, we can get some sun exposure, you know, just as we're going about our daily life. So, you know, popping down to the shop for our lunch and um, pottering about in the garden, uh, going for a quick walk. Um, but then we do need to make sure that we apply our sunscreen, you know, after that 15 minutes. The amount of vitamin which we will absorb, obviously varies depending on, obviously the application of sunscreen because uh, correctly applied sunscreen can reduce vitamin D absorption by more than 90%. Um, wear, wearing clothes is obviously going to um, decrease our, our vitamin D, and you know not spending enough time outdoors as well. Also, darker skin tones have higher amounts of melanin, which is a pigment, and this acts as a type of natural sunscreen. As we age, we have a decrease in that 7 hydrocholesterol level as well. So that's going to make it harder for us to absorb vitamin D. And also just to mention that we can't actually make vitamin D, you know, when we get sunlight through a window. So, for example, we might be in a lovely sunny room or driving in our car, but uh, the window glass actually completely blocks the UVB ultraviolet light. So again, we want adequate sun exposure, but we never let our skin redden or burn, you know, so that's five to 15 minutes. You know, some people may feel their skin start to burn after the five minutes and then obviously you apply your sunscreen. Never use a sunbed either. Obviously, that's a complete no, no. There is a SunSmart code which um you know gives us advice on how to reduce our skin cancer risk. So well, again, I'll put the link in the show notes for that. And our sunscreen should always be broad spectrum, so that protects against UVA and UVB rays and a minimum um, 30 SPF. So from about late March to the end of September. Uh, most people should be able to get uh, all the vitamin D that we need from the sunlight and then we'll chat in a little while about you know safe levels of supplement from October uh, to March. So when it comes to uh, the food sources of vitamin D there is only a small group and um, just a wee note though nature is so clever and um, vitamin D is found in foods which contain healthy omega-3 fats um, and remember it it's a fat soluble vitamin. So we need fat in our diet. So nature provides the fat with the vitamin D. So to help us absorb it. And um, so the best sources are uh, fatty fish. So we've got our salmon, our mackerel and our sardines, cod liver oil, and um, tuna has some, and um, you don't want to eat too much tuna though, like once a week, and um, large organic egg yolks. And um, so we're talking about, uh, hens and chickens that have been raised outdoors so that they're absorbing sunlight and it it has been shown that eggs from hens raised outdoors have from three to six times more vitamin d than eggs from hens raised in in confinement so that's substantial and beef liver is another good source of vitamin d but again you know you're going to get more vitamin d from cows that are grass-fed you know that are living outside you will see some food which um, is fortified with vitamin D, like maybe dairy products and cereals. However, some of those foods, particularly the cereals, also have a lot of added sugar, so that you know just makes them a less healthy choice. So you want to look out for products that have no added sugar. So who is most at risk of deficiency of vitamin D? So, so obviously someone who isn't getting enough sunlight or who isn't consuming um, vitamin D rich foods. Also, people who have inflammatory bowel disease, so ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, celiac disease, other conditions which disrupt the normal digestion of fat um, and and absorption generally. So vitamin D is fat soluble. So again, that depends on the gut's ability to absorb dietary fat. People who are obese tend to have lower blood vitamin D levels. Vitamin D accumulates in the excess fat tissues, so it doesn't, it means that it's not maybe as readily available for use by the body when it's needed. So higher doses of vitamin D supplementation may be needed to achieve a desirable blood level. However, one thing to remember is that if people lose a lot of weight, the blood levels of vitamin D can you know can rise. People who've undergone gastric bypass surgery and um, that typically removes a part of the small intestine where the vitamin D is absorbed. Um, so when it comes to supplementation, uh, we want to make sure that we do it safely. So it's always a good idea to talk to your doctor or a health professional um, in relation to what is a safe dose for you, because obviously we're all different and, and some people have particular health issues, as we mentioned earlier, You know, which might need you know different supplementation. So uh, the sort of figures that I'm going to give you here are obviously general, and uh, you know you want to make sure that you, you uh, take into account your own health status. So if your blood plasma levels are normal, a safe effective dosage for adults is 1000 IU, and for infants, 200 IU. Um, if your levels are too low, then speak to a health professional to work on a strategy and safe dosage plan for your individual case. Now, when you see IU, uh, sometimes on supplements, you'll see this IU, which means international units. And this is usually used to measure fat-soluble vitamins, like vitamin D, but also vitamin A and vitamin E. Now, the how you convert that, because then on, on other supplements, you might see uh, micrograms, MCG, or that might be written as UG, you know, the Greek U. Um, So, you know, how do they convert? But they convert differently depending on the vitamin in question. So vitamin D uh, to convert um, 400 IU of vitamin D is equal to 10 micrograms, but that's different for vitamin A and vitamin E. So we're just talking about vitamin D here. So one microgram of vitamin D is equal to 40 international units. Now you'll also see um, when it comes to supplementation and also the, when you're looking to see any foods that are fortified with vitamin D, you know, you can check and see which form of vitamin D do they have. So it could be vitamin D3 or vitamin D2. Now, uh, vitamin D2 really comes from plant sources. So vitamin D3 comes from animal sources. So basically, they have converted the vitamin D from the sunshine the same way that we do. So it kind of makes sense that the vitamin D3, which is also called colocalciferol, that that is going to be better for us. There have been some sort of controlled trials around, you know, which is better. Experts would suggest that vitamin D3 is preferred form because it's the form that's naturally produced by the body. So nature is generally right nature is always right so vitamin d toxicity really only occurs when we take supplements so the low amounts you know from food are really unlikely to reach a toxic level and then you know um a high amount of sun exposure doesn't lead to toxicity because excess heat on the skin actually prevents vitamin d3 from forming so again you know nature is is doing what it needs to do to make sure that we get adequate levels So what happens when we talk about toxicity, what does does that mean? So taking too many vitamin D supplements over a long period of time can cause too much calcium to build up in the body, hypercalcemia. So this can weaken the bones and damage the kidneys and the heart. Now some people do have medical conditions which mean that they can't safely take as much. So again, when in doubt or if you have any health issues or medical conditions at all, chat to your GP about any supplementation. The other thing when it comes to supplementation is it's a good idea to take them with a large meal because remember fat soluble. So again, we want to have some fat in our meal to help us to absorb it and to make the most of it. So just to summarize with sun exposure, five to 15 minutes on a bare face, arms and hands two to three times a week and eating foods which contain vitamin D and healthy fats. You know, we can pretty much get the vitamin D our body needs through through the summer, you know, um, And again, just to mention, don't make sure not to increase our risk of skin cancer through overexposure to the UV radiation. And I'll put a link to the SunSmart code in the show notes. And through the winter, or if you have any reason for being worried about having a low vitamin D level, talk to your GP and talk to your healthcare professional about taking a vitamin D supplement and doing it. So, for today's store cupboard staple, I thought I'd better choose a food which is a good source of vitamin D. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the benefits of salmon. So, salmon is not only a good source of vitamin D, but also vitamin B12, which we chatted about on a previous episode and how important that is for our nervous system and our energy. And so, salmon is also a great source of protein, which helps us, you know, repair and rebuild. And also, um, it's low in saturated fat but it also has amazing omega-3. So omega-3s are, are essential fatty acids and they are really anti-inflammatory. So really good uh, to have in your diet. And um, t- Twice a week would be the recommended levels to have some oily, fatty fish. So that's your salmon, mackerel, and sardines also. So they're called essential fatty acids because our body can't make them but they actually help to reduce our risk. So reducing inflammation reduces our risk of cardiovascular disease, you know, like heart attack, stroke, some types of cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's and other cognitive diseases. So really important for our brain to have these anti-inflammatory omega-3s in our diet. And they can also help, you know, uh, uh, reduce or ease the effects of things like rheumatoid arthritis. So for adults, we recommend um, you know, two, two portions uh, a week and for children, um, above the age of two, one to two portions a week. Now, obviously pregnant women and young children should avoid fish with the most mercury, but salmon isn't one of those fish that has the highest levels of mercury. Uh, We know tuna should only be once a week. Um, now, when it comes to omega threes, I just did want to mention that if you are on any medication which has, uh, say, is anticoagulant, so for example, warfarin, then you may need to, you know, minimise your intake of omega threes. Always chat to your doctor about any medication that you're on and any food which might have an additive effect or, you know, a contraindication. So high amounts of omega-3s in your diet, you know, just may have an additive effect. So again, just the amount of salmon that you might eat might need to be monitored, but always stay within the guidelines. Now, also when it comes to risk with fish, obviously we need to take care of when we're preparing it. Um, so obviously keep everything clean, your hands, your cutting boards, your knives, and uh, you know, to, just to avoid spreading any bacteria uh, to other foods, and if you're buying it frozen, make sure that it's not even that it's really rock hard and it's not even slightly thawed. Also, you don't leave seafood or or other perishable foods at room temperature for more than two hours. Now, when you're cooking it, of course, any harmful bacteria are going to be on the outside of the fish and not in the middle. And so you can cook the whole fish um, um, or you can leave it a little bit pink in the middle if you want, you know, as long as the outside is fully cooked. Eating raw fish can be obviously a risk, um, you know, if you're eating it raw out in a restaurant you want to make sure that it's a really good restaurant um, if you are preparing you know if you want to eat raw fish yourself you have to make sure that it's you freeze it first to kill any parasites um, it's much better to cook your fish um, so you know uh, boil it grill it poach it or bake it and um, they're, they're the best ways to cook it, you know, and you're the the internal temperature of the fish, if you're, you know, if you're cooking a, a big fish and you have one of those thermometers you want to check, And um, the internal temperature should be 145 degrees. And that's just to make sure that it's safe and that you don't pick up any parasites from it. If you are making, say, fish cakes, in that case, you want to make sure that they're cooked right the way through. Now, when you're you're you don't really need to add any salt when you're cooking fish because obviously they're, they're you know especially particularly seafood you know they they probably won't need any. But a squeeze of fresh lemon juice always you know helps the flavour of fish. Now, in the show notes, uh, I'm going to put in a link. To some um some nice recipes, some things that you can do uh, with salmon. Um, I tend to keep it simple. I will put some flaked almonds on top and just bake it. You know, in the oven for maybe up to twenty minutes. Um, and that just adds a lovely crunchy crust. You could put like a lovely herb crust on top as well, or keep it simple with just a slice of lemon, a squeeze of lemon, and some parsley is gorgeous as well. Um, But as I say, I'll put a link to some more exciting recipes in the show notes for you anyway. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to clarify that the podcast is for informational purposes only and does not substitute professional care from a doctor or trained health professional. Nor does it constitute medical advice or services if you're in a, in a position to need either. However, if you find it interesting, you can subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes or sign up for my newsletter on lyncharchinutrition.ie.